This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is the High Hopes Podcast. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. All right, let me just jump right in here. Before we go back and forth and do our banner, we have Scott Fransky coming up and it's going to be awesome. I can promise you that. He's going to give us a lot of time, and it's super cool. But we have to address two things off the top before we get to something else that is incredibly important to address. Okay. Jack, let's address the two most important things off the top. Yes. You and I have both committed a heinous crime, we a have? heinous act, wow. and we both have to atone. Okay. I will start. I use the yo on another podcast, Go Birds Pod. I'm hosting it for the first time. I use the yo. It was... Top five biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. Good. It will never happen again. It felt awful in the moment. It yeah. popped out. Elliot goaded me into it. I'll blame him for it. It'll never happen again. I'm here to apologize. I'm here to off off the top here to get to the most important thing. I am owning my mistake. It will never happen again. Uh, I, I, fair? I I I uh, don't accept yet. Uh, you have a lot. You have a lot. I have a lot of Tony to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean now. Fair. Now I did just write it down because I wanted to make sure that we did bring it up. I wanted I wrote That's it down. Right. I got out. It's called getting out in front of it. Yeah, it's PR one one. It's a good it's a good spin zone by you that uh, I didn't <laughs> I didn't grill you later on it. Uh, very disappointing from you. Um, you know, it's a mistake. We all make mistakes. I I, I got you. I'm just saying that the yo. Listen, this is that's it's holy, and that's what as it how you can even and and the funny thing if you go listen to it, not that I'm recommending anyone should listen to anything but this podcast, even any podcast I'm on, but if you listen, you can even hear it as I do it, the hesitancy in my voice, and I know immediately. You know what I mean? Good, good. That's what I like to hear. That's what the never lie to the high hopes listeners. Never lie to the high hopes listeners. Uh, and I I appreciate you 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 coming out and. Knocking this out head on, uh, I think I think all the people out there appreciate it because, you know, frankly, we're all hurt. Um, uh, be- should be. Yeah, be- I, I'm hurt. Be- See, I'm hurt. Because- I, I feel it too. That's where we're at. <laughs> now, what did I, I do? Did what did I do? Well, you. I mean, come on. You showed the world that you. I, like I I I struggle to even verbalize the concept of putting mustard. On a cheesesteak. What are we doing here, Jack? What are, what is happening? Here's what I don't. Hey. Here's what I don't get. Here's what I don't get. You can God. put you can put freaking mustard on a burger, but it's the same combination on cheesesteak, and all of a sudden it's a heinous crime. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Man. It's not bad, dude. I think Twitter told you how bad it was, dude. I got 
500 replies and 230 quote tweets. Do you know how many quote tweets that is? It's a lot of quote tweets. <laughs> That's a ratio right there. Dude, it was man. 500 replies. It was like, it's it was, I mean, listen, listen. Let's... That actually is like a really, an, an unbelievable amount of, for those who remember, my most replies ever was over a thousand on that Pete Alonzo tweet that everyone got super mad about. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred replies on a cheese. Like my my tweet got a thousand replies because it made it to like Matt's Twitter, uh, and- Barstool, and all those people. You know, like PFT commenter and stuff. Like five hundred on its own without that type of thing is actually unbelievable. Matt. Yeah, and let me go inside baseball here. It means I won. I mean, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it's all you it. Ever wanted. It's all you ever wanted. Yeah, I mean, I listen, it's not your pin tweet. I did. Listen, you don't think I knew what I was doing? I mean, <laughs> I saw the mustard. I saw the cheesesteak and I said, it's time to it's time to let the world know that I like mustard on my cheesesteaks. And it was delicious like it always was. Oh, God. I struggle to look at you the same way, Jack. Eh, whatever. Wait till we get my get to my pavetta takes. Let's get, yeah. Speaking of which, just to, to put a bow on this, mustard's never okay on a cheesesteak. Okay. There's some things that are holy. Sure. Cheesesteak is holy. All right. Let's talk about, uh, uh, now that we've got the the less important stuff out of the way, let's talk about the important stuff. Yes. So we were actually, let's go inside baseball again. We were supposed to record yesterday afternoon mm-hmm. and something came up and we couldn't. And I get a text at like 7.30 at night or 8 o'clock at night, all caps, you're so lucky we didn't record. Yes. Fired up, Jeff. Yes. Now, uh, let me start off this this with a little bit of uh, um, coming forth because we never lie to the high hopes listeners. Um, it's 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 you know put that on my tombstone. We never lie to the high hopes listeners. Yeah. yeah. I was fully prepared uh, heading into yesterday's podcast to give up on Nick Pavetta and, no. and fully no and fully embrace Cutter Vinny. Breakout oh. Vinny. I was. Well, I saw the tweets heading that direction. I saw a little like Vinny. Am I, am I in on Vinny action going on? I know, and I was fully prepared to say, I am. Wow. I. What li- is, 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 see anyone who ever thinks that you listen, you would lie to the iOS listeners. This now is proof that you would never lie because this is a horrible thing for you to admit. I know. I was sitting there on uh, Tuesday night, and I said, I said in my head. I think I love Vince Velasquez. And oh, like, no. imagine ever uttering that sentence in the history. Like you're broken. Yeah. Someone broke Jack. I mean, besides the Padres start in 2016, like imagine ever uttering that sentence about a Vince Velasquez start. So listen, I was fully prepared to go all in. And I guess, I guess Nick got the message and he fired four no hit innings yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the walks. The walks did happen, but Edwin Jackson threw a no hitter with like a thousand walks. So if he can do it, then why can't Nick? A great point. So, I mean, I mean, also to your point right there, though. I mean, if you're Nick Pavetta and your one and only fan is starting to turn on you, I mean, that should be a message. Yeah. Well, I was just, I was just, I was just disappointed. I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed. You know, I saw Vinny like. Debuting a changeup that he could throw for strikes. I saw him throwing a cutter. Cutter. And I saw him locating a breaking ball that actually has some bite to it to go along with the fastball. And I was like, 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 come on, Nick. Like, are you kidding me? You know, Vince can do this. Why can't you? Um, so yeah, no, honestly, like, listen, if they if they're both, if they're both gonna break out in the same season, I'll take it. Um now, like, listen, I, I don't think it was a, a unbelievable like Pavetta performance. Like the the red start was unbelievable. What, what yesterday was was nice. It was good. Um, I think it helped that he had JT behind the um, behind the dish. You know, I think it gave him a little bit of extra confidence. Um, and honestly, like 
the 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 fastball control still not there. Um, you know, it, the the shortened arm thing I think is going to eventually help him with. Obviously, it's already helped with the changeup. Like the changeup actually looks like a pitch that he can use. Um, and he got I think six swings and misses on it um, from a Nick Pavetta's changeup, which I didn't wow. didn't know that was wow. possible. Yeah, I didn't know it was possible at all. Um, so that was massive. The fastball location. I just think that I think with the shortened arm slot, he's not he's not used to 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 finishing over his front leg and fully getting glove side. And I think it's a little bit of a timing issue. You could see him kind of working through it on the mound. Um, but if he can work to get glove side with that fastball, coupled with the changeup and and the already nasty curveball, and I actually saw a pretty good slider last night from which was which was surprising. Like again. This is why I was screaming for him to learn a changeup forever is because if you're going to have dog bleep fastball location, like at least if you have a changeup or something else to go off of that. They don't know it's coming. Right. They can't yeah. just tee up on your fastball. Like his fastball gets lit up. He throws 96 with rise, and it still gets teed up because they know yeah. it's coming because he has nothing else to throw. So um, uh, it was a good start. It was a, it was a positive direction, uh, po- moving in the right direction. Um, the changeup was was really good. The fact that he that – he, has that now? He threw it in in two zero counts. He threw it behind hitters. He was pitching a little bit backwards. Like that's massive. Um, and you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, if, especially in a shortened season with you know there could be guys going out with with COVID and whatnot to have six yeah. six guys Big that time. can that can start a ball Big game time. for you. So Big time. you know, one week from opening day, and especially with guys not like likely not being able to go deep into games for the first couple weeks of the season. I mean, starters are just not going to be able to go seven. Well, we will see more four or five inning starts than eight, nine inning starts, seven, eight inning starts. I think, you know, um, real quick. And we're going to get Scott Fransky in just a second. I want to get more a little bit later after Scott, we'll get into some more intra squad stuff. We've seen Bryce Harper talking again. Um, we'll get with other stuff to get and get into more specifically what you saw with Velasquez too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just quickly before we get to Scott, um, it hasn't been a long time, but how much of what we're and again, this is intra squad games, you know that all caveat we always give and all that. But yeah, um, do you think Brian Price is making a difference already? Well, I think the one thing Brian Price, one of these guys to all learn was was a changeup. So the fact that the the fact that both Vinny and and Pavetta have both learned a changeup, I think is big. Um, so I, I think that was part of his emphasis. Um, Arietta last night again. Um, you know, I don't know why. It seems like they they were kind of trying to get him to work up on the zone and <laughs> having having Jake Area to work up on the zone with makes his zero sense. It just like, doesn't make would, any sense. Yeah, but last yeah. night he was down. You know, his changeups down. Two seams down. Like everything was down, down, down. Um, so it seems like they're getting back to that. But yeah, you know, I don't know if he's 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 changed so much um, mechanically wise, but definitely getting these guys in the right mindset. Like, I I mean, you would think that they would have learned by now that you need a a, a good semblance of a changeup to make it in the major leagues. And I guess it took a, a veteran pitching coach. Like a come. real pitching coach? Wow. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk a major league pitching coach could make a difference with a pitcher? It's I know. not just. With a young pitcher. What a, I know it's a crazy thought. You're saying it's not just fastballs up and curveballs <laughs> down that, <laughs> oh can, <my> <laughs> that can work? So, yeah, I think I think from that standpoint, you know, having a guy. And, and plus, these guys, if you, if you just talk to them. Uh, or hear them talk about Brian Price. They just trust them. You know, I don't know if there was ever a level of trust with Chris Young. And- well, there wasn't. I mean, I think we we have we have heard enough. Whether it's Aaron Nola or Arietta or whoever, we've heard enough guys come out and bash Young publicly to the point where I think it was very clear that there was no level of trust between him and his pitchers. No. 
No, so I think I think I think Brian Price going to those guys and saying, "Hey, you need a change up." Just carries a little bit more weight than when Chris Young does it. I uh, this is good. This is exciting, Jack. I'm I'm excited. Are right, we gonna for, get more? For, well, one. Th- but for as excited as we are about yeah, Gir- yeah, for for as excited as we are about Girardi, it's not even just Girardi. Like, it's it, the staff. Yeah, I the, agree. the staff is great. Like it's a it's a legitimate baseball staff. Yeah. No, I I agree. Price, Dylan. I mean, Thompson with Girardi. I think those two work really well together. We've seen that in the past. So, I'm um, I'm so with you. Um, all right, we're gonna get uh, to uh, Jack Saltz and Velasquez. I want to talk about what we saw from Spencer Howard. What Bryce Howard had to say about Spencer Howard. Bryce Howard and a whole lot more of yeah, a whole lot more from the Intercontinental stuff. But uh, now, let me welcome in. Uh, it is our distinct pleasure to talk to the one and only Mr. Scott Franski. And it is our pleasure to welcome in the one, the only, the voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. And a voice I know that I'm speaking for everyone when I say we cannot wait to have him back in our lives. The one, the only Mr. Scott Francis. Scott, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Scott, uh, I think the main question that everyone around the city is asking, you know, you've had 100 games off. Uh, has Scott Fransky lost his fastball? <laughs> probably my timing will likely be way off uh, i didn't get a summer <laughs> camp but you know we don't have any exhibition games to work into it so yeah i mean you got you got a nice two games uh of exhibition baseball i think you should be good to go for next friday we thought we would do some uh, broadcaster inter-squad broadcasting this week but uh didn't materialize i so. guess la really wasn't into the uh the idea of broadcasting inter-squads he refused to play for the blue squad, so uh, <laughs> there was no way we could reconcile things. Well, that that's actually a uh, interesting concept. You know, you don't you think about players getting ready for the season. You know, you think about spring training and getting your your reps in and all that, but you don't really think about broadcasters having to kind of build up to it. Is that a, a unique thing you're having to deal with this year without like a, a spring training to kind of get yourself ready for the season? You know, it is uh, in in a, a, just a small part. I mean, honestly, we did a lot of research on the players uh, that were on the roster, obviously, in, you know, January, February, March, before things got shut down. So we, um, I, I think the biggest thing for us is going to be an adjustment of, you know, just how we do our jobs. Not only, I know a lot of has been made about the, you know, the technical part of it and not being, uh, on site for road games and things like that. But I think um, beyond that, it's the time you spend, you know, face to face with players, coaches, managers, that sort of thing where um, we are, we won't have that access this year. Uh, so I think, you know, when you think about, Oh, day to day, I wanted to clarify something that happened in the game last night, for instance, um, you know, we could just, find somebody at the cage or find somebody at their locker next day and maybe get a clarification on a play or a scenario or whatever. We won't, that won't be as easy to pull off for us this year. So um, I think that is going to be the biggest adjustment for us. Yeah. That's a, a fascinating thought. I hadn't thought about that, how much that adds to the context of the broadcast. Obviously I think another clearly unique thing with this season. And one of the things that from a, a fan perspective, I think is going to be so unique and, Obviously, for you, what are you anticipating with the challenges, the differences, and all that with calling a game in an empty stadium? It's unique. Uh, 
I have no idea what to expect. I can be honest with you. Um, Good answer, right? I mean, I don't know. I haven't done. I mean, I, I, you know, I think back to when I did minor league baseball, and there were days when certainly um, we were in. You know, you'd have very small, small crowds, um, and literally in you know low A ball. Um, you know, some of the smaller towns. I mean, when I say small crowds. I mean, you can definitely have places where there were 100 people, you know, or less at a game, Um, you know, on a random Tuesday night in the middle of July or whatever the case might have been. So I I think back to those days and, you know, I remember having to try to get up for that and, 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 you know, make it sound important and everything else. So uh, I hope I can, I hope we can all pull that off. I I think, again, I think, we talk so much about it because it's unknown um, and how will this be and what we don't really know. We won't know until we get into it. And um, I, I can imagine it's going to be weird. I can imagine it's going to be um, tough to sort of, I don't know, ride. I mean, you're, you're riding your own emotions, plain and simple. And, and you're not riding the emotion of the crowd because there is not. So um, I've, you know, and then the the canned crowd noise and all all the things that the different parks are playing. I I don't know. I guess we'll just have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a terrible answer for the purposes of this podcast, but it's all I've got. I don't but, know. And look, I also think it just shows the the uniqueness of all of this. How how unique it is for everybody, even the guys calling the game, yeah. even the people around the team all the time. Like this is going to be different for every single person, from the people playing it to the people calling it to the people watching it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. It's it's different for everybody. It's different um, up and down the list. So, um, you know, come July 24th, we'll get started and, and uh, you know, hopefully knock on wood, we'll get we'll get uh, through the 60 games uninterrupted and see what happens for the playoffs. So, um, you know, hopefully everything goes OK. I know there's going to be uh, challenges. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be, um, you know, you're already hearing, you know, different things about what stadiums you can and can't play in and people are coming up with all these backup plans. So I think it's going to require everybody to be a little bit flexible. What are you kind of, uh, what are you kind of expecting from a 60 game season? Do you think it's going to feel like every game like kind of matters more than it's just game 30 of 162 game season? I, yeah. I mean, again, I think we're in that gray area of, we haven't done it before, but, um, but I, I have to believe that it's um, when you when you really think about the numbers, and you know we're baseball people and we're conditioned for the the long marathon and the 162 games, and we're conditioned for the fact that you know 60 games barely gets you into June, and you know what's that? You know that's barely starting the season uh, in a lot of respects. So I think um, as we get into it now, again you're going to go the first. Let's say you go the first week and it's all the whole feeling out process of um, travels different stadiums are different, no crowds, you know, how do you find emotion? How do you find energy to get going? Um, Is everybody testing negative every day or their cases or, you know, what's happening around as far as the virus goes. Um, And then all of a sudden you look up and you, I don't know, let's say 10 days, two weeks into the season. Um, Well, that's, 
close to 15 games. Well, that's close to a quarter of your season. Um, you know, you know what I mean? So it, it yeah. goes by. You could, you by could be essentially in, in some ways out of it uh, uh, two weeks into the season for all intents and purposes. You know, if you have a really bad start. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I just think um, for so many of us that, it, you know, again, that's the, the way our brains look at it. That's the way our cliches have spoken about it for years totally. and years. We don't even you know? look at the schedule till like June first, like till sixty games right. in. You know, I mean the the standings. You don't really pay attention till then, right? And and now you're going to be, uh, I think, more sort of hyper focused on it. And maybe that's you know in part that's going to be a media thing. Maybe players will take it kind of the same way. But I I, I definitely think that if if teams don't um, get off to good starts, now again. I guess it's kind of like the old adage. You're not going to win it in April. You could lose it in April, though. Uh, same thing applies. You're not going to win it in the first two weeks, but maybe you could very well lose it. Um, so I think for the team that comes out and for the teams that come out and don't, you know, sort of step on the, the gas pedal right away, they, you know, you, it doesn't take long to look up three weeks in and find yourself a little bit buried. Um, uh, so, I, I, you know, again, I think that's, I hope that means, uh, you know, everything would be uh, more exciting and and the, the like like you said, Jack. The sort of the emphasis on every game would be more important. Um, I think that's what you know baseball itself is hoping for. Um, I mean, could you imagine that sixty game sprint with fans in the stands? I mean, yeah, it would be oh, amazing. Man. I mean, right? we might break out especially, the rally towels yeah. thirty games in. <laughs> especially our, I mean, our town would be crazy if you're 30 games in you're in a pen race you're halfway through the season <clears throat> yeah i mean but we'll see I, you know um that whole piece without the fans it's uh it's just going to be weird to see how it how it feels and how it looks yeah i almost feel like it can't have the same level of intensity unless there's unless there's fans in the building like the fake crowd noise you know it's, it's they're playing around with it and they're getting a little bit better with it but it's still weird it's like it's like a, yeah. a, a weird kind of rise of the crowd, and then it's like quiet at some points. At some points, it's just like I don't know. It's gonna. It's just gonna be. It's gonna be weird. Yeah, and you know, I mean, think about a player's reaction. Like, think about all the the playing to the crowd that Bryce does. Uh, yeah. You know, during a game and hitting a big home run, and um, and and now to think he can't even go so far as high fiving his teammates, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, like, how does, I mean, you know, players feed off that emotion of the crowd and that moment and, um, and, and whether they, whether they say they do, or they say they don't, I know that most of them do, um, it's human nature. And then the other part of that is that, um, okay, they play for their teammates. That's great. They can't even sort of share the same kind of emotion with their teammates that they could in the past. So, um, you know, that's a different thing too. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think the teams, the players themselves that are able to get fired up, get emotionally um, invested in it from the beginning, uh, maybe stand the best chance of being successful. Yeah. Now, obviously you were around the team like every day last year under Gabe. It's pretty much the same team. Obviously Didi's here, Wheeler's here some bullpen additions, but it's pretty much pretty much the same team. You were around the team in spring training. What was kind of the, the feel around the team, and, you know, what kind of impact do you think 
an addition like Joe Girardi can have on this on this team? I, I think it's important. I mean, I, I you know, um, again, I think the players, you know, anytime you get a new manager, the players don't want to. They're not going to come out and, you know, say negative things. I mean, everything's always rosy and good and and whatnot at the start. But um, I think one t- the way you learn sometimes about how players feel about a manager is when things are going bad and how a manager reacts. And, um, you know, Joe Girardi has a certain track record and it's a good one. And, um, you know, again, I think you find out most about the character of of the guys in your clubhouse in bad times. And, um, and, uh, you know, that same goes for, 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 uh, the manager and the same goes for the coaches too. I mean, um, coaches that are, um, flexible coaches that are um that uh, are willing to try different things and and um coaches that have solutions and different kinds of solutions for different kinds of players um and i think the phillies have um a feel i think the phillies feel like they've invested in just those kind of coaches and say joe Dillon and and brian price and, and guys that can be creative and and uh help players make adjustments along the way and uh, you know, I know people have been excited about some of the things they've seen here um, with some of these inter-squad games w- w- when it comes to the pitchers. So um, I think the mood was, I mean, the mood was good um, from what I could tell, uh, certainly in, in February and March. And, um, you know, I see no reason why, uh, you know, at this point, everybody's uh, in pretty good spirits just trying to get this thing going. Yeah, I think you made a great point in there, Scott, the idea of of the players and teams that are able to kind of compartmentalize and take the external, unbelievable, unique external factors that, that none of us have ever dealt with in a season and be able to compartmentalize that and go out and play baseball and focus on that, I think, you know, could maybe um, change like where maybe the most talented team doesn't win because this real talented team is able to focus in more or whatever, but with that in mind, and and kind of knowing this group of guys and all that, what's your optim optimism level for this Phillies team on this you know strange, unique sixty game sprint? Well, I mean, do I feel like they have the most talent on paper? No, I don't um, in this division, and and obviously with the you know the cross with the AL East, that's you know, it's a really tough. tough schedule. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> uh, it's tough. We we, we could be real here. It's tough. It. Uh, but uh, and again, I, I don't think the Phillies have the most talent on paper. Does that mean they can't win or make the playoffs? No, they can. Um, they are talented enough. I, I think um, with any season, um, injuries play a huge role, and I think they're going to be really magnified this year because, again, as we talked about, you know, a guy goes on the DL for two weeks because of a hamstring. Uh, that's that's a quarter of the season, just about, you know. It's a fourth of the season. So it makes a huge difference if you lose, you know, Bryce Harper goes down with a groin pull or something like that. I mean, knock on wood, you're not talking about injuries like that very often. Um, because I think if you are, um, you just don't have time to recover from it. And um, and I know there's going to be extra hands on deck and, and a chance to, you know, have some extra players at the start and things like that that might help you help overcome some of that. But if you lose a significant player along the way, you know, I mean, whatever, Jacob DeGrom goes in for an MRI. Something's up with his back. They say he's going to start opening day. Well, you don't think that – I mean, you don't think 
how many starts is he going to get in a season? Yeah. It's a great right? point. If he gets like 12 or 13 starts, if he misses two or three, I mean, that's a, a quarter of his starts potentially that he's, that he's missing because right, of this. It's a great point. That's huge. Um, and, and the same goes for any other starter. You know, Cole Hamels in Atlanta. Sounds like he won't be ready for the start of the season. Um, so I, I just think, you know, the, the injuries may play a bigger part this year than they ever have. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the, well, especially with the weird ramp up my, and ramp I'm down, and, and we don't know if guys are in full shape. There's a lot of that. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm talking about the relatively minor injuries yeah. that are going to be magnified this year, uh, uh, unlike ever before. I mean, Tommy totally. John is one ACL tear, like McCutcheon or whatever. That's one thing. Season enders, that's you know, but a season ender here could be, you know, could be an oblique um, injury. Oblique injury, you're done right. for the season practically. Like that's Absolutely. crazy. Absolutely. So, um, so I, you know, uh, do I think they have the most talent? No, uh, not on paper. I don't, but, um, does that mean they can't, uh, surprise a lot of people? Certainly doesn't mean that they they're capable of it. They've got a lot of talent in that room. That's for sure. Now I can't, uh, can't let you out of here without talking about the run from 07 to 11. And obviously you were on the call for pretty much all the big moments. Uh, in your opinion, what was the, the loudest moment at Citizens Bank Park during that run that you were on the call for? Oh, gosh. Um, you didn't tell me there'd be hard questions. I know. That, <laughs> that is a loaded question. I know. it's very. There was a lot of uh, moments, a lot of big moments. It, it's such a Jack question, too, Scott. Can I we mean, be serious? This I, is like the jackiest Jack question ever. Hey, I've listened to those calls a thousand times. You know? I but know. I, that's why. <laughs> I, I, need, I just needed to ask. Yeah. Well, my my loudest moment was obviously J Rolls walking. Oh, up. buddy, oh. we know, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I you still and get, LA, like, uh, just both of you guys. I still get chills every time I hear it. Doesn't yeah, matter how I, many times I hear it, I still too. get chills. It is it's one of my pantheon calls. It is one of my favorite baseball calls of my lifetime. I still one of my favorite memories. Um, a few. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of my favorite memories. And um, as, as far as, as it relates to the crowd and the park and the atmosphere, um, one of them, the last day of 07, before the game even started. Yeah. And Tom Glavin is getting it handed to him. Oh, yeah. New York that's, that was by great. the Marlins. And the Phillies played 30 minutes later. You know, they, they're it's first like six runs in the first he gave up or something, right? He just got pummeled. Yeah, it's like six or seven. Yeah. And the crowd, uh, and, the, you know, again, it's not full at this point, but they're filing in and they're watching it on the out of town scoreboard. And that's all. They're not watching the video, they're watching it on the out of town scoreboard. And then we're watching it in the booth, and people are gathered up along the walkway underneath our booths, and they're looking back up in and seeing it on TV. And, you know, it was sort of that. Awesome. It's going to happen today, kind of thing, and especially then, after um, the run, after the seven with seventeen back, like the the culmination of it all, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, and then um, for me, I mean, the the night they won the World Series, um, and I was not uh, on on the call. Obviously, Harry was in the booth, and I was went down on the field to do interviews, and just standing on the field um, after that and seeing. Um, the reaction of the crowd, seeing the players' faces reacting to the crowd and reacting to the moment and, uh, you know, realizing um, what it meant to the city, what it meant to those guys personally, individually, um, how much 
Yeah, I mean, the sense of relief after something like that, I, I, it was the first time I'd really seen that kind of thing up close um, uh, and on a personal level. I mean, just you just think about the, the number of hours that these guys put into this pursuit, right? Um, and to see it come to fruition and fulfilled, uh, it, was, it was just a really cool moment to stand out there and, you know, see the crowd, um, see the jubilation in the stadium and to feel it and, and all that from the players. It was pretty cool. And not many people get to have that experience of being field level for a team winning World Series in their hometown. I mean, that's no, a I mean, uh, unbelievably unique I mean, thing, I mean, you know. Literally, I'm standing on the pitcher's mound. It's unbelievable. Because I, I, you know, just the melee happened or whatever, and I, I, I had to grab somebody, and I grabbed Victorino at one point. I remember we were waiting. You know, I've got the earpiece in um, or headset on or whatever, and I'm waiting to hear. Harry and wheels uh, send it down to the field to start the interview. And I'm, and again, I'm just looking at, at, at Shane and he's staring up into the crowd and, you know, with this half disbelief, half relief, half, wow. you know, jubilation. I mean, like all these emotions are wrapped up in his eyes wow. um, in, in that moment. It was just a really cool thing to be let in on, you know, cause it's really, I mean, it's a communal event. There's no doubt, and the crowd and everything that the city wants and you know has wanted for so long, and they got to experience it. Um, but it's also very personal for those players. The amount of time they put into it, and um, I don't know, just seeing it from that angle was really, really cool. That's just awesome, and I'm sure our listeners love hearing that because that was a special moment for all of us too. Like you talk about the players, but everything in. The fans, you know, wait a long time for that, too, and, and to hear that perspective is really cool. Uh, Scott, we cannot thank you enough for the amount of time you've given us today. Quickly, on the way out here, before we let you go, we like to sometimes have a little fun and do a, a quick rapid-fire few questions at the end with you, if you don't mind, a couple, uh, some on topic, some off, but mm-hmm. just have a little fun at the end, if you don't mind. I'll start it off with an easy one. What was your favorite thing that you watched during this quarantine period we were all in? Favorite thing I watched. Um, uh, I, I got to be honest, with you, I didn't watch very much. Right at the beginning, I watched Tiger King. Oh man, as as way. did we all. What a disaster that show was. Yeah, complete. Um, but really uh, interesting. <laughs> entertaining. Really interesting Come on, let's watching. be real. It was super entertaining. Um, I, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I think I watched, other than that, I think I watched one other TV show. Wow. And I watched wow. one episode of Ozark. I did a lot of reading, but I watched Good. One oh, you got any great good book recommendations? I'm a, I'm a reader. Book club? Uh, let's see. Um, I didn't, I read some new, I read some old. Uh, I did read Zalecki's, uh, uh, Doc Halliday book. Oh, that, that was, was the so, only sports book I read. So good. Um. Uh, yeah, it was good, and um, uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back through the list. I mean, I, I, I read a ton of stuff. Um, uh, I don't know that anything flew off the page at me, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I got through most of them. Nice. What would you the s- kids wear me out, though. The kids' TV shows are on all the time, and that's uh, what wears me out. Yeah, so. I'm sure. I'm sure. What is the uh, what is the the worst thing uh, about having to work with Kevin Franzen? <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> too many to name. Uh, Is this the... just too hard to pick one? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like there's a big list or anything. Um, <laughs> so, so again, Jack with the leading questions. I mean, uh, you know, Jack. I mean, come on. He's, he's a friend yeah. of the. He's a friend of the podcast. He is. He's just. No, he's know, literally I doing I this just so he can clip the audio it. and send it to his buddy Kevin and say, "Ha ha 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 ha." Yeah. Scott, the 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 worst thing is. Um, trying to um keep up with his energy level yeah i can see that that's a, what a like, good what a, like a, diplom- a diplomatic answer from scott fransky it's sometimes it's i can't uh like I've, i just have to i'm gonna need to like tie him down to the chair and just yeah. it's like my kids sometimes it's like hey I got work to do. Just be quiet, okay? <laughs> this is what Jack has to do with me a yeah. lot of times. And by so, the way, so, I don't yeah. know when you guys are floating this podcast up, but I'm going to get a text about how long have we been talking? Uh, 25 minutes. Okay. I'm going to get a text about 27 minutes after this <laughs> podcast airs that, uh, from him. You, you, you can guarantee it. I would. I think that was the whole point of Jack asking the question. I mean, I would have. I would have said his his hands. I mean, the the effort in Arizona last year was was just very sad from a former major league player. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it killed him. I, it did. I mean, it I just know. absolutely killed him. Oh, uh, all right. One more fun sport. one from me, Scott. Who's the nicest player you've ever interacted with? Nicest player. Um. Uh, or maybe, you know, be, just uh, one of the nicest. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, the, one of the nice. It might be on a, a guy on the club right now, Zach Eflin. Uh, he yeah. might Ooh. be one of the people. Um, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had a lot of lot of really good people. Um, uh, and there's a lot of them right now. I, I don't want to, you know, whatever. But I, I, we just, we've all talked about Zach Eflin and, and just how – polite and courteous and and he's been since day one that he got to the big leagues and he hasn't changed at all well, that's good to hear uh are yeah. we are we going to get breakout pavetta in 2020 or, or what i have I, i'm leaving that to you pal <laughs> i think it's a mistake i don't think jack should be anywhere near this <laughs> pavetta thing. fan club uh it's it's, it's it's Jack. It's only it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a, a one-person club. It's a one-man crew, Scott. <laughs> we are. Uh, but, hey, man. I, I, at this point, you're the you're the flag bearer, man. Yep. You you are. You just keep riding it. Uh, you know. <laughs> Thanks Maybe for the this is a, as well. They're pot committed, as they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate it. Um, do you think that LA is going to make it here for the start of the season, or are we looking uh, maybe game ten? Uh, good question. I'm not sure. Um, I know he, you know, he's been in Florida the whole time. Yeah. Um, he is a Florida man. Yeah. I know he had some, some stuff he had to do up here regardless if the season was going to start or not. So I do believe he's, he's, if not en route, maybe already in Philly. Good to I haven't talked to him in a few days, but, uh, but yes, my, my prediction is, is that, that Larry will make it to the season um the jury's out on whether he will make it through the season (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right 
Jack, do you have any more trouble you want to cause before we let Scott go? No, or are, you, are no, we good on that front? No, I'll let him go. I'll let him go. <laughs> Scott, seriously, thank you so much for the time you've given us. And you know, I'm sure we'll talk to you down the road as the season goes on. But um, you know, good luck with the, the unique uh, unique circumstances this year. And I, again, I, I said at the top, but I, I promise you, all of us in Phillies Nation literally cannot wait to hear your voice calling games again. So we're psyched, man. Well, we're looking forward to uh, to getting the chance to call some. Uh, it's been a long time coming, um, but uh, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we can all do this uh, the right way and keep everybody safe and healthy while we do it, and uh, maybe entertain some folks along the way. Because I know, uh, I know, we're all in need of a little entertainment, a little distraction uh, from from the way things have been. That's for sure. So thanks for having me guys. All right. Thanks. Sure words were never spoke. Thanks guy. Just the best Jack. Scott's the best. Ah, oh, I love Scott. Yeah. I, oh, uh, I mean, it gave us like 30 minutes almost like, it's like, he definitely has more important things to do than to talk to you and me. So yes, that was cool. He does. And like, honestly, like, so I, I produced a lot of the games here, you know, yeah, a lot. a lot like you've talked to him down the line, as they say, every night a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like a it's always a pinch myself moment when it's like totally when it's like I'm, I'm talking to Scott Francis. Well, and I'm not even kidding. What I said to him is true. Like that Jimmy Rollins call is like one of my favorite baseball calls of all time. And obviously I'm a Phillies fan. So I, there's a slight bias there and stuff. But like Scott's that good. You know, Scott is that talented that he is like an elite Baseball play-by-play guy, like he's that good. Oh, I mean the the, the Rollins call is unbelievable. I mean, I've heard I've heard and of, obviously LA's emotion and all yeah. that. Well, helps that's make what, it, so. that's what makes them great. Is that they're like yeah. what makes those two so good is that they're real. Like they just feel like real dudes. They're funny. They're entertaining. And yeah, they, having a beer and talking baseball. That's what it feels like. Yeah, they legitimately care about about the team and and whatnot. And hope that's what sucks about the the no fans thing. Like I just. You know, for for as well, we got into it a bit with him, but you could tell, like, especially with we didn't talk about we talked about it for the players more so, but for the announcers, I mean, that's a like he kind of alluded to it, like having to like his own emotions gonna have to carry him. Like, it's clear that that's an that's gonna be an effect for announcers. Yeah, well, I mean, because think about it, it, you know, it's basically a calling the crowd. Of course you do. It's it's a human thing. You're it's emotion. You're in a building with all these people and this emotion there. It's like a it's a shared experience. Well, and especially it's at CBP. I've been to a couple other ballparks. You know, I think Wrigley has it, but there's like that 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 different level of like electricity that you totally. can like when the when the when the ballpark's going, you can kind of just feel it. Like I, you felt it last year at opening day, and that was really the first time you felt it. You know, since t- 2011. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it felt like so. Like CBP has that different level of electricity that you can just feel kind of walking throughout the ballpark. And you know, I you know, like, we always talk about the the CBP roar. You know where it like slowly and then like explodes like the Victorino double to lead off or in the first inning of Game Five in 2008. Like there was a different level of of crowd going with it, um, and you can just always tell that Scott's voice rises with the crowd. And totally. like this year, if they hit a walk off home run, there's you can't. It's gonna be hard to make up the same energy. Like you can't be like gone. Like you can you can try, but it's just it's always gonna fall a little bit flat because of the. Because the the no the no fans hundred percent man hundred yeah. percent I literally I was just watching I was uh, very Fritzian of me wow uh, yeah well you know when the inter squad games end like it kind of just puts you other baseball highlights up and I was like screw it I'm just gonna put on Phillies highlights um, and I watched the Harper Grand Slam again and it's like that's a perfect example of that where like 
the emotion is all in the crowd, the moment, the rising with it, the, you know, like in the, how it goes up and up and up and up. And as it, and the intensity builds as, you know, the Cubs keep flubbing balls at second base and runners and the bases are loading and they're scoring runs. Like you can, it, it builds, there's an intensity, there's an energy there that I agree, Jack, is literally going to be impossible to recreate without fans in the stands. Yeah. And it, it, like watching, um, watching guys crumble, you know, under the pressure is always fun. And, you know, the, the crowd has, has a part in that. Totally. Totally. And I do think, and I mentioned this with Scott too, but I do think that this year has a, a different kind of pressure or unique pressure where it's this constant kind of overarching thing over the whole season that these players have to deal with and compartmentalize where I do think that um, I think teams that that are able to deal with these circumstances of this season, the fear, the this, the that, there's so much stuff that um, I think teams that can compartmentalize and and focus on what their task is uh, maybe could um, exceed their talent, so to speak, in this particular individual unique year. Um, but let's talk about a team that we hope is going to uh, exceed what we expect from them. Um, let's get back to Phil's and uh, kind of get to, into some more of the intra-squad stuff before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, we heard a little bit about your Pavetta thoughts, but mm -hmm. uh, you know the two other kind of big pitching performances we've been talking about, Velasquez, I want more of your thoughts on why it seems like you're starting to buy in on, on Vinny, which is a scary thought. And yes. then obviously I want to talk about what you saw from Spencer Howard before mm -hmm. we get to the whole other Spencer Howard thing. But start with Vinny. Where, where are you at on Vinny? What's making you... Because, again, look, we've all done this, right? We've all done the, uh, I'm in on Vinny again, I'm in on Vinny again. Uh, I, I'm never going to be in on Vinny again. Like, why is it, what's happening now that's kind of making you be like, okay? It's, I mean, it's the cutter. It's it's literally the cutter. Like, I understand. I You know, I understand why people are going to balk at, at possibly being in on Vince Velasquez. And I'm not even like. You're not like, look, to don't, you're not like all in. You're no. not like, uh, this guy's going to be greater. Right, right, right. Like, I'm just saying that there's, I think there's a path to a useful pitcher right here. Like, like a, like a three, seven, five ERA guy. And you'll take that from Vince Velasquez this year. Oh my God. Are you kidding me, yeah. Jack? Yeah, definitely. We would, we would kill for that with Vince Velasquez. But what we saw from him on, 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 what was it? Tuesday night? Monday night? I think it was Monday night. Uh, it was, no, it was Tuesday night. It was Tuesday night. Um, was just a, was just a different, no, it was Monday night. Because Monday, yeah, Monday and then Tuesday I was there, and last night was Wednesday. Oh, and last night was Thursday. No, I'm right. It was Tuesday. Wednesday, it was Tuesday. you were there. Thank you. It was Tuesday. I know. It was, I thought it was today was Thursday. Um, <laughs> listen, it's, we're doing a morning podcast, so what, what, I know. what can you expect I know. from me? I know. <laughs> so, but like, the, we don't get to do these because I'm never off work at this time, so it, it's beautiful. Exactly, it's throwing off my whole rhythm. Um, I know. But Velasquez, like the the cutter, the cutter being there is just massive because again, the same exact thing with Pavetta. It's 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 that guys can't sit there and tee off on his other stuff minus his fastball. Like Vinny's fastball is, is a elite fastball. Like just looking at the numbers behind it, like hitters have a hard time consistently squaring up his fastball. His other stuff sucks. Like it it always gets hit. Um, like slider, curveball, never really threw a changeup, but this year it seems like he's starting to throw that more. But having the cutter to pair with a fastball and just being able to overpower guys. And, you know, just when they think they, they can, they, they're starting to get timing down on the fastball, the fact that he can drop in that cutter and give them a different look is just making him harder to, 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 to consistently square up. And getting, getting the ball off the barrel is the most important thing with pitching. Uh, getting the ball to where, hey, I'm going to square this up, and then last second ducks and, and a guy can't consistently square it up. Um, and you saw, like, you saw him full hitters, which, which 
I didn't know it was possible from Benny. Like <laughs> he fooled JT Real and Muto. Like he, he did. Like, yeah, he did. And the part that was so impressive in the Real Muto at bat is is he he drops two O curveball in there. It was like sequencing yeah. and stuff. It was a, it was a two O curveball. Started high, ended low, like most curveballs. And then the just how important this growth is. He he started a curveball. He definitely wanted it more outside. Like whatever, he missed a spot, which is fine. But he he started in the same spot. He started his curveball, but it rose, and and Real Muto couldn't consistently catch up to it. And and then he dropped a cutter in there, which he wasn't expecting. And then he finally got him to ground into a weak double play on a on a changeup. Like he he kept JT Real Muto off balance. He struck out Bryce Harper. Like these guys are are well, Bryce isn't. <laughs> He strikes out a good amount, but yeah, but still, I mean, there are still major league, elite major league hitters. Yeah, and he made he made Kingery look foolish on a changeup, which again didn't know was possible. So, like, I think there's reason to believe in Vince Velasquez. I understand there's reservations about him, but there is reasons to believe because of that cutter. And it, I mean, he he didn't have that in spring training. He learned that in the last three months, and he's already throwing it for strikes, and it has pretty good spin. It's a little, it's not. Super tight, but it's tight enough, um, and I just think that's massive. Look, it could get better if it, this is something he's working well, yeah, on, yeah. right? Theoretically, he's, he's athletic enough, and and he had a good pace to him. He didn't let things like usually if he walks a guy like the real Muto bat. I keep going back to, but whatever. He 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 walked Bryce on four pitches. I think he fell behind JT Real Muto too well, then came back with the curveball. Like when has Vince Velasquez ever shown that? Um, so it seems like he's taking a big. Mental step forward. I thought Pavetta took a nice mental step forward. Um, and listen, if you can get those guys rolling, I mean, those guys have talent to be decent, pretty good major league pitchers. I mean, and, we've seen it. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, Nick Pavetta had some stretches and certainly individual starts where he was dominant. Like, actually, and we've seen Velasquez go on, you know, eight to ten start stretches where he is – a capable major league pitcher and look to be if we you know if you want to look at a glass half full brian price is far and away without question the best most accomplished major league pitching coach that these guys have ever worked with period and a story i mean i like rick Cranitz. i think he's fine but like brian price is a very accomplished major league pitching coach so and if there is as we are discussing some sort of talent in these guys that they have shown at a major league level like, it would it be the craziest thing ever if Brian Price were be were to be able to pull more out of these guys than other guys were? No, I don't think it's the craziest thing ever. I'm not expecting it, but like, it's not crazy. No, it's it's not at all. And uh, that's the that's the uh, the thing that kind of sucks about you know where baseball is kind of trending is it's getting away from real teachers, you know, teachers of the sport and. You know, getting more towards numbers and launch and this yeah. and that. It's less so about like teaching the fundamentals of baseball. Exactly, exactly. And I think that they're and the, what I like about what I like about where the Phillies are at right now is that they have Girardi, they have Price, they have Dylan. Dylan's a little bit in the yeah. He's less accomplished than those than it, Girardi and Price, just just on resume wise. Right, but he's also more into the advanced analytics stuff and all that. So like, but he's also a good teacher of of hitting from everyone we've we've read. Um, but what we understand, yeah, yes. the Washington guys raved about him. Exactly. Um, so, I, so what I like where the Phillies are at is that they have the major league guys who are good teachers, good teachers of the sport, um, and then they also have all the driveline guys. I mean, you know how we feel about Ochard, but it's not even just Ochard. Like they 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 have a ton of driveline pitching guys, which I think is only going to help 
um, help get the most out of the guys coming up through the minor league system. So they're they're doing it they're doing it both ways. In the development side, they have the driveline guys, they have the advanced um, uh, you know technology and and that kind of stuff that the, where the game is progressing. Right? They're 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 they have the right guys in their minor leagues to do that. But on the major league level, they have a teacher in Brian Price, gets where it's coming from, has been seasoned, you know, change-ups, mechanics, still working on the important stuff. But with what the minor leaguers have in, in the development staff that the Phillies have, I just think is massive. And I think it's the, I think it's the perfect mix of what you're looking for for um, a major league baseball team. All right, let's talk about the pitcher who, you know, I think we has the widest variance for us this year in terms of we don't know if and when he's going to play. And theoretically, just how great it can be. But it was pretty awesome to actually get to watch Spencer Howard step on the mound at Citizens Bank Park and throw some pitches, yep. even if it was to the Phillies. Uh, what would you take away from what you saw from him? Uh, he's got to get rid of number 83. It's just yeah, a, well, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for like him left, and 83 and Bowman 80, it's like, no, 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 no. Let's stop. Let's stop joking around here. Let's give let's give Spencer Howard like 33, 30. I think he looked I think he looked good in the 30s. Um uh, so yeah, so so Howard obviously comes out and it was disgusting, uh, just overpowering guys, you know, just just blew a fastball right by. I Reese. test. It's like I test yeah, stuff. Yeah, you you know, just see some of this stuff and you're like, oh, that guy has it. And I you love know? I love the way he finishes. You know, he gets a lot out of his stuff. Um, like he like he ex- he explodes towards the plate how I want Pavetta to get to. Like Pavetta just kind of cuts himself off and still has good stuff, but like. Howard is Howard is another level of stuff. Like Howard is power, 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 and then he can throw the changeup whenever he wants. Like the changeup is such a difference maker, and the fact that he already has a feel for it, and like Pavetta and Velasquez are just kind of learning the changeup, and they don't really have. Like he doesn't move, you know. Kind of, it's just kind of a, a change, a change of pace pitch for them at this point. But Spencer Howard is like <laughs> legitimately a good pitch, and he has good feel for it. The slider, I think, is okay. Curveball, like eventually he's gonna get. Eventually, Howard's gonna get to a point where he's gonna throw like a seventy-five mile an hour curveball for like an O-one strike or a two-zero strike, and then just just get guys out with the slider. Um, and then the fastball. I mean, the fastball is is power, power, power. Um, and honestly, he he reminds me a lot of a taller Walker Bueller. Wow, <laughs> and that's I know- a. That's a strong comp, my friend. He he looks like a taller Walker Bueller. They have similar Love. similar stuff. Love. I can art. I I was. I don't know about you. I was already envisioning a playoff start last night. Just like with. <laughs> I was just thinking about like what it would look I mean, like. If he wants to be playoff Bueller, let's freaking go. Yeah. So, like, he's just such a difference maker, man. Like, they're a year away. Uh, they're a year away from, <laughs> from I think. Nola could be the two. I I think Nola could be the two, and Spencer Howard could could. He's that he's that the, the ceiling is that. Yeah, high I mean I mean Howard that quickly. Howard Wheeler and Nola is a good three to go yeah. into any. Yeah, I mean if it, I agree with you. I mean you look at the best three. Like take out the Nationals because obviously that's unique and and just clearly the best three. But like, after that, I mean like if if Howard is who we think he is, like I'd put Nola Wheeler and Howard up against like maybe that you know look look uh, none of those guys is Jack Flaherty, but. You know, I think if you take the totality of the top three, Miles Mikolas, whoever's in there, like I think you can put that Phillies three up against any three in the National League. Really, I mean Bueller, Kershaw, whoever you want to choose the third there is 
probably slightly better now. But like the point is, it's like comparable. If Spencer Howard is what we think he is, that's a legitimate three. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different than Hellickson, O'Sullivan. Uh, just, just barely different, man. Jared Eikhoff. It's not gonna carry it away. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, All but, right. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy that it's just crazy that he's here. Um, it, it's crazy that the Phillies were feels able, like we've been waiting forever. It, for it. The Phillies actually drafted him, which was crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking. Yeah, it's so anti. Like now that Barber's here, it's a different story. But pre Brian Barber, Spencer Howard is like a diamond in the rough in terms of Phillies drafts. Yeah. Now I will say, I will say, um, service time is whatever. I don't, I don't think he's, re- I don't think he's ready. And why, why I say that, why I say that is because. In the it was even the third inning of of last night or the fourth inning, like you could see his location started to get off a little bit, and it, it looked like he was starting to get tired. Like I don't think I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's ramped up enough to be ready to 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 go. I almost think he needs another. He needs like another extra week or two to get up to being ready to pitch six or seven innings. Like you kind of saw the stuff start to to fall off a little bit in the in the end of the third inning, um, and. I know service time is whatever. They'll probably keep him down anyway. But I actually don't think he's ready to start the season yet. I know. I know. Well, I know. Last well, night was disgusting, but I just I don't know if he's ready just yet. And it's actual baseball reasons, not service time reasons. Well, it's a good a good segue here because uh, we mentioned it before, but Bryce Harper certainly thinks he's ready. Yeah. Apparently, on uh, a Twitch, uh, Bryce Harper yet again spouting off. Uh, Bryce said, if Spencer Howard isn't starting in our rotation by game six in New York against the Yankees, there's a problem. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. G- GM Bryce. Yeah. He's I mean, all the shots. Obviously, it's a good thing that Bryce wants to win as much as he does. Yes, I appreciate it. Um, You know, I mean, we could start with signing the best catcher in baseball, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I just think I just think it's dumb. Like it's 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 one week. I understand it's a, a sprint to the finish line, but if it's if it if it is seven days, which it seems like it is seven days, it's like, one start. You, We're talking about one start here, you, like, <laughs> Bryce. Like again, the, it, like Jack and I, you know, like we want them to win as much as anyone alive. Like we're disease. Like we and we understand that every game matters in this short season. If all you have to do is keep them down seven days to get a year of service time, like it would be malpractice to not keep him down for seven days like that's just asinine to not mal malpractice absolutely organizational malpractice malpractice, it would be yeah and they won't do it they're not going to do it they they will get the reserves yeah so sorry bryce um he's just putting the the, again the team in a bad spot like he is just yet again just like going against what the team is going to do in that situation in that moment and speaking out and look again I, i i'm with you i appreciate cheerleader Bryce. I appreciate how bad this guy wants to win, how he's willing to say like, we need this guy. We need that. We need, I appreciate it. But in certain specific situations, he is just making it harder on his team. Uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> listen again, love it. I, I like love it. it. I like, yeah. I, on, I, my heart loves it, but like, we gotta be a little bit smarter here. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure, I'm sure the Phillies are waking up to this. Like, dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like, uh, he's, I mean, Bryce, just calm down. You know, Spencer will be up week two. Um, and if you watched him last night, I don't know if he's hundred percent ready yet. I think he needs another week of, uh, of ramping up to do. Well, and it goes back to what you were talking about before though. Wouldn't it be nice if you think that Howard is right now ready to give you three dominant innings and then you can bring Velasquez, Pavetta, whoever in to pitch the next four or something like that's an interesting option to have in a unique season like this that type of thing so 
you know, I, I think they can play around with it too. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, any other thoughts uh, from the Interquad stuff? And I do not want to hear the names Andrew freaking Knapp out of your mouth. Keep to yourself. What else is on your mind? Swing looks good. Swing looks <laughs> fluid. <laughs> I can't take it. It's funny too, because in this weird year, this unique year, like it's you know, backup catcher is going to matter. It's going to be important. And it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. Man. I mean, I will say, I, I definitely like him more than Devi Gurion. I'm pretty. I do too. I just, I mean, uh, let's be real. Like yeah. he looks like a major league player, and Devi Gurion does not. Yeah. And Devi Gurion, and we're not like the dude is not a cat, like a good catcher. No. Like he's just not a good no. defensive catcher. No, not well, that Nav's amazing defensively, but at least Nav, like. The Phillies believe he can handle a staff, which is the most important thing. Listen, I don't know if that'd be green. Knock, knock Nap all you want. Guy works a good at bat and is a good clubhouse guy. He's a great clubhouse guy. People <laughs> love him, you know? So Yeah. And listen. This is from, the nicest I want to get about Andrew. From what yeah. I've seen, I'm, I I like Logan O'Hop a lot, but that's that's just me. Um, yeah, that's, that's a ways away. Uh, yeah, a couple other just quick notes from what I saw. Uh, Kingery looks great. I mean, Kingery's squaring up the baseball. Um, obviously, uh, which is great considering, yeah. obviously, I mean, he, of all the guys, the biggest, like at least the most open about COVID and, and how sick he got and all that. And to just see him back and, and really seeming like he didn't miss much that play last night, yeah. that play at second base, dude, that play. Yeah. He's he, when was the last time a Philadelphia Phillies second baseman made that play like chase, you know, I don't even know if chase can make that play. I don't even know. I, I agree with you. That was like a super athletic play, man. That's like that a Manny a trio. Athletic. I agree with you. All right, that was a super athletic play. R.I.P. Tony Taylor, like maybe his play. Yeah, no, um, great point. Yeah, R.I.P. Tony Taylor, great uh, Philly. Yeah, Kingery, honestly, like first time really being able to watch him play second base. Yep, like, like he's special. Like you can just tell he's a special defensive player at second base. I mean, again, that play was elite second base play. Like that was elite. Yeah, and I'm like, he made some throw last night uh, on a double play, and I was like, oh, they're not getting this. And it was just a dime, right, like right to Reese. I was like, Makes sense. Look, he can play third and short. He's got an arm to play short, like at second. Yeah. That's a he's got a he's has an elite second baseman arm. Yeah, and well it, above average. Listen, I I think he's gonna lead the team in WAR this year. I can't wait for I can't wait for Kangaroo. Um, I'm other really excited. Th- other things I saw, man. I hope I hope it's just inner squads, but I think Reese looks terrible. Uh, and he's he's starting to go back to his his swing yep. from last year. It, it, the stance is going back to exactly what it was before. And it, it's it, it is not. I've not been impressed. He, Weak contact. He's still again. Hook, yeah, he's still hooking balls. You know, I I don't like, still he, pulling him. He he squared up uh, Damon Jones last night, but still didn't. It kind of died. Um, just I'm worried about Reese. I really am. I hope it's just inner squads, but I mean I can't. Either, what my eyes are telling me, it's like the. the there's just no hard contact. Yeah. Like all I want to see right now is hit the ball hard wherever you hit it. Like I, even if you're still pulling the ball, like I want to see some hard contact and I'm just, it feels like every time, even that, like that fly ball that was like a little short of the warning track or whatever, like even off the bat and on TV, sometimes you can get fooled by those. Even off the bat, you're like, Oh, that's not enough. You nope. know what I mean? It, yep. You just, you could, it doesn't feel like he's striking the ball hard. Nope. Nope. Uh, and the other thing, like, <laughs> I'm happy he's hitting singles. I'm happy he's getting hits. But can Alec Bohm freaking launch one? Like just, I know, just I know. can we just hit a tank shot? You know, Jared Kalenic has another double over the shortstop or single over the shortstop's head. It's like okay, yeah, thanks, Alec. Cool. I mean, I, I'm happy you're getting hits. You you clearly can square up a baseball and make good contact. But like, 
let's let's launch a ball. You know, we don't always have to be thinking right center field gap. You know, let's uh, get the ball so in the air. You. So with you, Yandy Diaz. You know, let's let let's hit some balls. Yandy. let's hit some balls out of the ballpark. Um, and then final thing. Listen, I love. I'm all in on Ramon Rosso being like the the setup guy for this team. The guy's nasty. And, uh, well, they need a. I, I know we've joked about it, and, and like I'm not expecting anyone to come up and be as good as Sir Anthony was in 18 or whatever. But like that idea of the way this bullpen is comprised, they are going to need one of these guys, whether it's Rosso, whether it's Damon Jones, whether it's McLean, whether it's whoever. Like, and and I think Rosso makes a lot of sense. One of these guys is going to have to come up and be someone they can trust in the sixth or eighth innings. Like they're gonna need one of these guys to be someone like that. Yeah, and and I think Girardi actually said it the other day. I, I like that he's reading my Twitter timeline, but they uh they have they might have more talented lefties than righties, which like is so weird. I don't think there's any question, right? Yeah. I mean, like Liriano, Morgan, Alvarez. Damon uh, like, Jones, Garrett Clevenger, yes, Jojo I mean, Romero. The, like if we're talking about Ranger the, Suarez. The, the, the five relievers we trust most on this team and, uh, you know, very loose definition of trust, but yes. it's Hector Neris and Tommy Hunter are the only righties. Then it's Liriano, Morgan Alvarez in the next three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the le- name another bullpen that has better lefties than righties. Like does, that doesn't, like, doesn't make any sense. So no. uh, Ramon Rosso, I think is going to be the best right-handed reliever on this team, not named Neris. Um, and I, I hope he's on the team from opening day. Cause I, you know, I feel like they're kind of, kind of work him in whatnot. And, and, they're not going to put him in that role uh, ASAP, which is whatever. But I think he could do the role as as soon as possible. Like he seems confident. Stuff's legitimately good. Um, so I, uh, I'm excited to see what Ramon Rosso can do. We are one week from literally Philly, Philly's opening day. I should have opened with that. That's my bad. Literally one week from today, it's going to be 10:48, which is what time it is now. What Jack and I are recording right now. 10:48 uh, in the morning, one week from today, and you and I are going to be like texting each other nonstop about. Tonight, the Phillies play baseball, uh, and it's Tonight. gonna be, it's gonna be on Charlie Manuel Appreciation Day here on WIP. Oh, so it's I'm gonna be the, so ready. The, I'm so I'm, I like all the anger, all the frustration. All, it's all gone for me. Like it's not forgotten. It's just all gone right now. It's just pure excitement. That's yep. where I'm at. And uh, I guess one like the of pitchers that matter. I mean, Wheeler looked disgusting, which is great, and uh, Arietta actually looked pretty good. I'm not gonna be, you know. Until I see it, but uh, it seems like the stuff's down. His cut. He honestly, he took Alec Bohm to school. Like just, just he threw a cutter to the outside corner that Bohm was like <laughs> into the third base dugout with, um, which was like a big uh, welcome to the show kind of kind yeah. of moment. Well, for- it'll be fun to see too. Uh, you know, this weekend the Yankees. I don't know if the Washington one's gonna happen, but the Yankees Orioles will get to see some, you know, different play. Philly's actually pitching to opposing teams, yeah. which will be pretty neat. I can't wait. And, for, I, I need to see Clark Schmidt for myself. I, I, I hope the Yankees pitch Clark Schmidt. Oh, Clark Schmidt. It's a good name. Yeah. Clark Schmidt will work. That, that'll play that name. Um, yeah, man. We're there. It's exciting. We'll obviously uh, we'll have a, a pod next week, but then we will definitely make time to record probably Friday night after the game or Saturday morning or whatever you will hear from us. After Maybe the- every day. Maybe every yeah. day. Yeah. Once the Phillies are playing baseball, we'll be here. I, as honestly, usual, so. my sleep schedule is already messed up. I woke up at like six the other day because I was so giddy and I just rewatched the, the inner squad. Like I just, I, I can't, I can't tell you how, how unbelievably happy I have been to just see Phillies players doing things on my TV screen every night. Like it's really, it's like made me a happier person. It has changed my outlook on the world, Jack. Oh, one more week. Oh, let's go. Uh, you got any final thoughts, Jack? I do not. Let's uh let's get to get to opening, opening. day.
uh, one last time, thank you. Thank you, Scott Fransky, for giving us so much time. That was really awesome. And um, we'll be back next week talking about the Phillies coming our way in, in, in mere days. And I can't wait. He's Fritz himself. We'll see you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.